Well, good morning, GPC Church family and friends. It's hard to believe that Christmas is now behind us. And before us, we look to celebrate New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and whatever traditions your family might enjoy doing on those occasions. But as we say goodbye to 2020, I think it's safe to say that we're all in some way hoping for a very different year in 2021. That really is the context that I have in mind for our sermon this morning, is is saying goodbye to the old and by faith and with hope, welcoming the new. And so with that in mind, give your attention to a brief passage that we'll hear more of in just a few moments, but familiar words maybe for you from Philippians chapter 3, 13b through 14. Listen to God's Word. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, would you encourage your people this morning through your word, the truth of your word, the hope of your word, and all of its promises that you are at work. Lord, would you encourage the discouraged? Would you bring hope to those who were fearful? To those who would love to forget their past, would you give them the grace to do so? And together, may we all embrace the hope that you are at work intentionally in our future. And we ask this and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So I realize during the holidays, uh, families have different traditions that they practice each year. Uh, I've told you before that my family loves the traditions of Christmas and the New Year. And one of the things that we do uh, that I enjoy, that my family enjoys, is each year we say goodbye to the previous year. And we say hello to the new year, but we do it in our own way. And maybe it's a unique way. Uh, It'll sound a little odd, I'm sure. But this is what we do. We undecorate the Christmas tree. We put all those ornaments away. And I know that sounds very typical. Everyone does that. But this is what's different for us. We take the tree outside and we redecorate it. We decorate it with bottle rockets and Roman candles and smoke bombs, fireworks of all kinds. And we put some enormous fireworks star at the very top. And then we put it in the same location every year, which is a secure and safe location. And then we very carefully, very, very carefully douse the tree with lighter fluid. And then from a very safe distance, 
we use a homemade bow and arrow that we have a t-shirt tied around to the end, which is very carefully soaked in lighter fluid. And then each year, it's, it's tradition to let a different child of ours um, have the honor of lighting very carefully that arrow and from a very safe distance shooting the tree with the flaming arrow and then we all scurry around to the screened porch which is capable of blocking all the bottle rockets and Roman candles that mostly dad has aimed towards the screened porch and just for a few minutes, it's probably three minutes of glory, three minutes of fear, three minutes of wondering if this is the year things don't go well, uh, as all those things come at you, but you're, you're safe behind the screen. And the tree, of course, burns very high in a safe location. And it's, it's how we say goodbye to the year behind us. We burn it. We say farewell, we are done with all the memories, everything that made up the previous year. And then we go inside and we welcome the new year as the ball drops or rises, whatever we happen to watch that year. How do you say goodbye to the previous year? Do you? How do you welcome the new year? When there's a year that you really would like to forget, how do you do that? Have you ever really wanted to forget something? I think that this is true for all of us, not just living through what for many of us was a hard year, a difficult year, but some of us have just known what it is in this life to want to forget things, to leave something behind and to never think of it again. Some have felt that way about classes. I know as a student, I felt that way, and I've known many students who have. They want to finish that class, never think of it again. It may have been a bad experience with a course or with a teacher or a professor. They just wanted to get through it, cross the finish line, and never relive that experience again. Or maybe for you, you've wanted to forget, maybe it was a sports-related experience. Maybe it was something with a a coach that you didn't enjoy, a team that was difficult. Uh, maybe it was a, a loss, a defeat, uh, just a bad experience, and you just want to walk away from it all. Or maybe for some of you, it's, it's been a relationship that you just wanted to close the door and walk away and be done. Or maybe it was an employer. Maybe it was a job or maybe it was a season of life. Whatever the case, we probably have all lived through something where we've just wanted to forget it. We've just wanted to move on, not look back, and be done with it. To bury it in the past as water under the bridge, to leave it in the rearview mirror. These are all English expressions that are common for saying goodbye to something that we don't want to reflect on. And the Apostle Paul does the very same thing in this passage that we've read. He uses an expression that says the same thing that all those English expressions say for us. 
He says, forgetting what is behind us. Forgetting what is behind us. And that's our first point in our sermon this morning. Sometimes we need to forget. Sometimes there are things we need to forget. And the Apostle Paul models that here. Now there's a greater context. Uh, It's not uncommon for people to know Philippians 3, 13, and 14 that we've already heard. But let me read what he's referencing, which comes right before that. Let me read verses 3 through 9. And hear this as this is the context of what he says we need to forget in the Christian life and what he in particular needed to forget. He says, We put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith, in Christ. The Apostle Paul says there's something in particular that he needs to forget, that he needs to leave in his past, and that he needs to move on from. And what that was specifically for him was leaving behind his religious pedigree and his performance. He says in those verses that we just read that he essentially had it all together. He had everything that this world and that Judaism would require of a man. And in Christ, he sees that those things are nothing. To put confidence in those things is to fail the test of faith. And so he had everything that this world would say you need to have. And in Christ, he looks at it and says, it's rubbish, it's garbage, it's empty, it means Nothing. Now I want you to think for a moment, when he says leave those things behind, they're worthless. Those were treasured things by the people around him, particularly the Judaizers, who wanted to even make the Gentiles obey all the ceremonial laws and live like Jews. So he is separating from what was pleasing the crowd. He is saying, I know that the people love this about me. And this makes me popular with them. But I need to be separated from it and leave it in my rearview mirror, forget about it, and move on from it because it's actually rubbish. It's actually garbage. And so he walked away from all of that supposed success because he called it what it was self righteousness. And so for the Apostle Paul, it meant walking away from his past 
walking away from his accomplishments, his supposed accomplishments, walking away from his identity, walking away from worldly worth. It was a costly thing for him, humanly speaking, to walk away from. But in Christ, he says it was empty, it was worthless, it counted for nothing. So what does it mean for us to forget what is behind? Well, it could mean something similar to the Apostle Paul. Walking away from a life. Walking away from something that has defined you or that you've used to prove yourself. But it will in some way always mean walking away from your past. Which means stop dwelling on your past. Stop thinking that your past in some way has defined you. Because your past has not defined you if Christ has defined you. So for us, it might mean not dwelling on the past, whether those past experiences are failures or successes. What it means is don't sulk and don't celebrate. Whatever your extreme may be, don't sulk in your defeats. Don't walk around defeated. And don't be having a false sense of celebration about any worldly success that you may have. Whatever the case, he seems to be saying, move on. Move on and play the next play, as a coach would say. Leave your past behind and move on. Now let me just stop and say, you need to consider how that applies to yourself and to your family. What does it mean for you to move on and to forget your past? Whether that past is successful or defined by failure. What does it mean for you, for your family? What does it mean for our church family to move on and to leave the past and to embrace what Christ has in the future? This is what the Apostle Paul tells us should be the Christian posture in life. We don't reflect backwards, but by faith we move forwards. And how do we move forward? Well, that's our second point. He says to strain towards what is ahead. To strain. That is exactly what it sounds like. It is a physical image of working hard. It is the image of exertion. It's the image of veins popping and sweat pouring and brows furrowed. It's a picture of effort. It's like the picture of, in your mind, a, a runner uh, racing, extending himself towards the finish line, trying to be the first, even if just by a nose, showing exertion in order to win. That's what the Apostle Paul uses to describe the Christian life. To leave something behind and to strain forward with great exertion, working, laboring, stretching, leaning forward, maybe even into the coming year. That's the image that the Apostle Paul uses. And I want to stop and apply that for a moment in this way. Let's be thankful for the honesty of the passage that the Christian life is one of straining and of hard work. There's no false advertising here. 
The Apostle Paul doesn't paint the picture of the Christian life uh, being one of sitting on the couch and looking at each other. It's one of sweating, working hard, straining, and laboring. He is telling us that the Christian life is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. There are going to be ups and there are going to be downs. There's going to be bad news that comes, discouragement that comes, and we're to strain through it. By faith, we push through and strain for the glory of God. And he says also that this is where spiritual growth will come. He says that Christ-likeness comes through suffering and through perseverance. And we're thankful for that honesty. It's going to be a life that requires perseverance, hardship. That's the honest portrayal of the Christian life. One of the hymns that we've sung and that I love is by Samuel Stone. And it's the hymn, The Church's One Foundation. I want you to listen to these lyrics, particularly what I'll highlight in just a moment. But speaking of the church, it says, Elect from every nation, yet one over all the earth. Her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, and she partakes of one holy food. Now here's the beautiful part. As if that wasn't beautiful. Here's a beautiful part. And to one hope she presses with every grace endued. We are all called, elect from every nation, people from the four corners of the earth. We're called to be a people who worship one God. We have one baptism. We partake of one holy food. And together we are all pressing on to one hope, to the hope of God's promises to us in Christ Jesus. And to one hope she presses, but it doesn't stop there, with every grace endued. Which is to say, everything you're going to need, everything I'm going to need to press on to that one hope, He has given us by grace. We are not left empty-handed when we press on. He has endued us with every grace that is necessary. In that way, we are equipped for whatever 2021 might bring. And you know, it may be a bumpy ride. It's likely going to be a bumpy ride in 2021. But the church will have every grace that it needs in Christ Jesus to press on in hope. And that's the third point that Paul makes. He says, we forget what is behind. We strain towards what is ahead. And what is that? We press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. We press on to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is he talking about? What is the prize? What is this goal? Well, it's salvation, yes. It's glorification, yes. But in particular, 
its resurrection. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Moises Silva, in his commentary on Philippians, says this about this passage. He says, For the Apostle Paul, the resurrection is not an isolated event, but is the culmination of all Christian hope. It is what the Apostle Paul refers to in verse 10 as knowing Christ. You see, to know Christ, if you are in Him, if you know Him, then resurrection is yours. Resurrection is yours. Yes, we are talking about a supernatural event where death is overcome by resurrection to life. That is what the Apostle Paul is saying. That's what the Scriptures teach and proclaim. That is the one hope that we press on towards. That whatever happens in this life, whatever happens, however bumpy the ride may be, the thing that cannot be taken away is the promise of resurrection. And with that resurrection comes a resurrection to judgment, where those whose faith in Christ, they will be forgiven. And those who have no faith in Christ, no love for Christ, there will be condemnation. That is the story of Scripture. And Paul is underlining it. He's underscoring it. He's drawing attention, teaching these Philippian Christians that there is but one hope that you and I press on to. And it's not the promises of this life. It's not the trappings of this life. It's the promise of the Gospel. It's the promise of Christ and the resurrection that He provides. The resurrection that He Himself secured. And so as we enter 2021, I'm saying to you the things that I say to myself. And that is, whatever we're living through, we should be walking with a calm confidence into 2021. Yes, we know it may be a bumpy ride. There may be bad news that hits us left and right. It may jolt us. But it won't undo us. It won't erase us. It won't finish us. The church will never perish. Her dear Lord to defend. To guide, sustain, and cherish her to the very end. These are the things that we believe. Do you have this kind of confidence? As you've lived through 2020, as we face 2021... Do you have this kind of confidence? A confidence that we could say is otherworldly. It's a confidence from another world. It's a confidence from another place. It's not a, a confidence this world knows. It's unique. It's heavenly. It's secured by Christ Himself. It is a confidence that is otherworldly. Do you have that kind of confidence? Or do you walk into 2021 empty-handed of confidence? It's a hard question, but that's what the Apostle Paul would say. He wants you to have resurrection confidence. As we walk through this life together, we are not alone. We are given the graces of the gospel. And that brings a calm confidence for every Christian, whatever storm they live through. With that kind of gospel confidence, here are the things 
that the Scriptures would have us aim to see true in 2021. That is that we would press on. That we would press on in good works. That we would press on in good spirits. And that we would press on to God's glory. Those are three things to pray for. If you don't know what to pray for this year, pray for yourself, pray for your family, pray for your church family, that we would press on in good works, that we would be zealous for good works, as our pastoral prayer prayed this morning, that we would be pressing on in good spirits. The world may be downcast, but we've got this confidence. We have this calming confidence. And our spirits are good. Come what may, our spirits are good. And thirdly, that we would all press on to God's glory. That we would press on for the glory of God. Do the things He's called us to do. Be the people He's called us to be. That's my prayer for 2021 is... As I walk into it, as my family walks into it, as our church family walks into it, that we would press on in good works, with good spirits, for the glory of God. Now a hymn to tie this together, to close our service, and to guide us in prayer. We're going to close in just a minute with Be Thou My Vision. Familiar hymn, a much-loved hymn. There's a particular stanza there that gives us something more to pray for. It references that calm confidence that I've referenced this morning. And it's two two, two lines from a stanza. See if it doesn't jump off to you as we sing it. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Do you understand what that is saying when we sing it? It's a prayer of hope that the Lord would be the heart of our own hearts, that He would be at the center of everything we cherish, everything that we love. That that would be true whatever befall us, whatever happens, whatever our circumstances are in 2021, whatever befalls us, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Don't let my faith be shaken. Undergird me, uphold me, surround me, and then we can withstand whatever comes our way. Let's pray that that would be true for our church family, for our families, for all the individuals. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, that is our prayer. It's what we think the Apostle Paul would have us pray. That your people would have this unshakable hope in the person and in the promises of Jesus. That we would not think like this world, but that we would think of another world with a hope and a confidence that comes not in flesh and blood, but that is heavenly and that calls us heavenward. So Lord, would you give us that great confidence May we say goodbye to 2020 knowing that you were sovereign and good through it all. And may we walk into 2021 knowing that that same goodness, that same shepherding care, it walks with us, whatever befall us. And we ask it and we pray it with confidence. 
In Jesus' name, amen.